Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I've worked three and a half years now as a psych tech at a unit that covers the southeast portion of my state. The unit I work on you can think of as like the ER for the psych world. We admit individuals who are having mental breakdowns or who need help for self-harm, being disabled from their psych disorder or harming others. This unit is freaking old and has been around since the time of Moses it seems. Even though weird events go on, it's an awesome job helping others out and I love working here while I finish going to school. I will say to start out with most nights the unit is quiet and can be quite boring. So here are a few of the experiences on the unit that are more paranormal or spiritual. Naturally, with the type of individuals that stay here, the unit can have a change in feeling rather quickly. I've had individuals I've never met before knowing strange things about me or other patients, such as where I bury my dogs to rest or names of family members or the streets I've grown up. You'll get a strange vibe walking by certain patients. At times, my patients will say creepy stuff such as being told, The devil has sent its demons to watch me and to not mess up. I witnessed a lady who came in for suicidal thoughts slowly progress to sitting in a corner and screaming non-stop till she couldn't talk. This lady screamed the same phrases over and over in an empty room. The unit also has one room I dislike because no matter what the patient is assigned to stay in that room, they always seem to get much worse before they get better. The room is always cold even when the heat comes through the vent. I can recall four separate patients asking to switch rooms because the shadows in the room surround them when they sleep and buzzes at them at night. My most recent experience while doing my safety check in an unoccupied room had the door open. Previously in the shift, I knew it was locked because I checked all the unused rooms to make sure they were indeed locked. It's part of my routine. I thought housekeeping had come to clean the room possibly since a patient was discharged from there in the shift before. Next thing I knew, I had a soap bar and a shampoo bottle thrown at me. It was not a joke throw either. It was like right at me and it was very hard and forceful. The door slammed shut by itself. I think a patient is in there now, so I try to open the door to a completely empty and cleaned room. I locked up the room, pick up the soaps, and try to tell the other tech I'm working with what happened. We pull up the camera and sure enough, you can watch the event unfold in the hall. Not all experiences are bad or evil in the unit. The patients will sometimes tell me they had family that's passed on, stay the night in their room, and visit them until they fell asleep. Another time I had one patient tell me a giant white figure stood guard by their door and kept the shadow figures from coming in and they were able to finally sleep. We do seem to have a few regular figures that walk the yard and hang out in rooms. One we call the engineer because the figure is always being seen in the utility closet. The mysterious stranger resembles a character out of a game 
He's a tall guy in a tannish trench coat and business hat, walking the same path around three in the morning and disappears after he passes a big elm tree. Before you come onto the unit, there's a large gym to play basketball, lift weights, or exercise, which low-risk patients can use with a staff member. On my fourth meal break, I usually eat and do a little workout. The gym also has a radio to hook your phone up to to jam to some music. This time, I'm shooting hoops and listening to Metallica. My break ends, so I put the ball away and unplug my phone to leave. As the music cuts, I hear a soft voice say, Keep playing. A similar story from a coworker in the same place. When she turned off the music, she heard someone picking up singing where she had left off. Apparently, they also enjoy music just as much as us. So a while back, roughly around mid-November 2021, I was working the night shift at my local 7-Eleven. My coworker was in the back cooking chicken and I was out front taking care of a customer and making sure all of our write-offs were done when I heard the alarm telling me the door opened and a customer has entered the store. I spun around to greet them and as I did, I saw a black blur rush through the door and dart down the nearest aisle. At first, I thought it was a customer that really needed the washroom or something, but noticed I didn't see them pass by any other aisles leading to the washroom. So I decided to take a quick look around the store to make sure they weren't trying to steal anything. However, I couldn't find anyone in the store. They just disappeared. Roughly five to ten minutes later, a woman entered the store and walked down all the aisles, seemingly looking for someone before calling out their name, Wesley. She only said it once before leaving the store. After that strange night, up until three days ago, things were normal. Nothing really seemed out of the ordinary. With the only incident I found slightly strange was hearing banging through one of the walls in the kitchen one day. However, one of the bathrooms is on the other side of the wall, and I was cooking at the time, so I really didn't know if we had any customers in there at the moment, which is completely possible, and it could have been countless things that may have caused that noise. We've had extremely high people banging around in the bathroom before. Teens will sometimes decide to get it on in there. Needless to say, that those washrooms have definitely seen some stuff, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was a customer. Anyways, on Thursday, January 20th, I was once again working the night shift. While doing so, I was ending my shift, getting all the paperwork and printing done. I was standing in front of the window, facing all the gas pumps, when, for some reason, pump one popped up on the gas till saying that someone clicked the request help button, but when I looked out there, there was nobody out there. It was a ghost town. Not a single person was anywhere near the pumps. The entire lot was empty except for a couple of cars belonging to other people in the area who also worked night shifts in the neighboring stores. Later that same night, when I went to the washroom, the door handle jiggled when I was inside. This was an employee washroom in the back. Customers do not have access to it. When I came back out, I asked my coworker if she was trying to open the door, but she was getting cookies boxed to sell to customers and never left the front of the store. Anyone who's ever worked a night shift job will tell you that it eventually gets old. 
I remember being really excited about starting my first night shift job. I thought it would be so cool, like that episode of Spongebob with the hash slinging slasher or something. It was nothing like that at all. In fact, it got plain old repetitive after a while. I'm a male nurse and I had been working in a hospital nearby. It was a long commute and extremely unbearable. Once I finished my contract with the hospital, which was about a year, I decided to apply for another job, one that was a little less stressful and disorganized than the hospital. I got a job at a child psychiatric unit. Working with children with mental illnesses seemed like a cool job. Maybe cool isn't the right word, but meaningful. The hospital left me with this feeling of trying to save people who were going to die anyway. But with these kids, I could make a real difference that might turn their life around or find a way to let them cope with whatever is wrong with them. I was all around excited about it. The pay was even higher, which had me really excited too. The only problem was that the only shift available was the night shift. The hiring manager told me that there might be a day shift position available within a couple of months and I would be the first one to get consideration if it opened. But that was about it. So there I was helping kids. At night. The only issue with that is, is that they were all asleep for the most part. The only time I got to do anything was when one of them woke up or started misbehaving. This very quickly became the most boring job I had ever worked in my life. About a month went by, and something moderately frightening finally happened. It was a night like any other. I was sitting at my desk charting some stuff I had done with other kids earlier that night. I had heard a noise that I did not quite recognize at first. It sounded like some of the kids were wrestling or something, but on the bed, I got anxious. As I did not want to go in there and see mentally handicapped kids doing, um, you know. Call me cynical, but that's where my mind went immediately. But when I got in there, I saw something that I don't think I can ever unsee. I turned the light on to see one of the older kids who was trying to smother another one. The kid who was doing the smothering had no previous incidents of violent behavior. I didn't personally know these kids well enough because I didn't work during the day, but I knew their cases well enough that the kid doing the smothering had bipolar disorder. It was severe, but he had never had a violent outburst like this. It was just so unusual, but I immediately pulled him off the other kid, and then he started fighting me. He reached around his own head and punched me in the nose at a weird angle. This kid had to have been 11 or 12 years old and I honestly was surprised at how much force he had behind his punch. He didn't break my nose or anything, but he bloodied it up. My adrenaline kicked in after that and I was able to restrain him without a problem. I called for a nurse from another unit in the building to come over and help me. I felt like this took forever, but it was probably only just a few minutes. The entire time I was waiting though, I couldn't help but look at this little kid who had nearly murdered another kid. When the nurse got over, we gave him some medication that would knock him out and sedate him and put him to sleep. I asked the other nurse, Carla, what I was supposed to do. She was there for a few years before me, and I assumed she would have a good answer. We just did everything you can do, kid. Violent outbursts don't get kids thrown out of here very often. I was a little shocked. I argued with her a little, but that was that. I tried talking to the kid that was being smothered, but he didn't really have a whole lot to say about it. He said that he didn't really know the other kid that well, but they never had any negative incidents up until this night. This was a few years back, and I will never forget how I almost watched that kid die. If I had just been there a few minutes later, he could have been dead right now. 
It wasn't long after that experience that I started looking for another job. I got one a few weeks later and I did my best to explain the situation to my case manager. She didn't seem to understand or care, and that's not my problem anymore. Today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh, you ask? Well, HelloFresh has been the longest-running sponsor on this channel and is one of my favorite services out there. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and several recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Warm yourself up from the inside out with limited-time recipes inspired by cozy classics from around the world like beef tenderloin and cheese fondue or miso sesame shrimp and bacon ramen. I absolutely love these meals. I've been using HelloFresh for over two years now, and it's been one of my absolutely favorite things. It's been great for my meal prep, great for my workouts, and been helping me get my calories in there. You can customize your favorite dishes with their new Hello Custom offerings by swapping out one protein for another, upgrading for a more luxe experience, or even adding protein to a veggie meal. That means more choices, more variety, and more meals truly tailored to you. Now, if you want to join me and several others in the swamp, go to hellofresh.com swamped16 and use code swamped16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. Once again, go to hellofresh.com swamped16 and use code swamped16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. You can find the link in the description down below. HelloFresh.com slash Swamped16. During the summer break of my junior year of high school, I worked as a McDonald's employee. I was 17 and naive at the time. I desperately needed money to add to my college fund. My parents did not plan it out so well so there was a high chance I wouldn't go to college if I didn't get a job myself. I was mostly busy during the whole day. I was a day person and wasn't really productive at night. During the day, I was either hanging out with friends, working out, studying, or learning and practicing for coding competitions to add to my portfolio. And usually at night, I wasn't doing anything. The most productive thing at night was just some plain old written homework. Because of the reasons mentioned above, and because I do not sleep very well at night, approximately only three to four hours on average, I decided to kill two birds with one stone and take a night shift job. That way, I could get paid for doing absolutely zero mental work and get my homework done. I applied at a lot of places, but I must admit, I was a big fan of fast food. So fast food jobs were on top of my priority list. So when I got a job at McDonald's, it was a complete no-brainer for me. The McDonald's was located a bit on the outskirts of town, probably for travelers and the like, but I didn't mind if I was getting paid, and it is isolated, so that also meant there would be comparatively fewer customers, so I might even get a chance to squeeze in another hour of sleep. I got into my dad's car and went to the store. It looked absolutely dreary. The outside walls had a bit of mold on them, I entered the small building to be greeted by a middle-aged man standing behind the counter. He greeted me with a smile and a nod of acknowledgement. He took me to the drive through booth, where I could be receiving orders, and explained how everything worked. 
the ice cream machines, the soft drink dispensers, and the fryers. After he had given a quick tour of the building, he brought me back to the counter, took a deep breath, and said, Hey kid, do you believe in ghosts and stuff? No, but why do you ask? I inquired. I know I'm going to sound absolutely insane for this, but you'll have to follow some rules while working here. Now, I know all of them sound unbelievable, but trust me, they are as real as it gets. They could even cost you your life. I looked at him, puzzled. What are the rules? And Has anyone been hurt or something? I said. He pulled out his phone. He had multiple photos of teenagers who formerly worked there, but apparently ignored the rules and have gone missing since. Why don't you just go to the cops? I asked him interrogatively. Because no one believes me, he said, his voice getting shaky. They conduct a full search. They think I'm insane. They never find anything. He almost burst into tears, but composed himself and begged me to follow the rules and take them seriously. I said that I would, and his face lit up. He handed me the list of rules, thanked me, and left. I reluctantly smoothed out the piece of paper and started reading. List of rules to survive a night. Rule 1. Keep the lights on the drive through counter on, where you'll always hand customers the food, with an exception to Rule 5. There is a creature just lurking nearby, waiting for the lights to go out and you letting your guard down. Rule 2. There are security cameras next to the counter table. Always check who is in the drive-thru. If the person ordering is in a black Range Rover Evoque with tinted windows, do not speak a word to him. He will stop bothering you if you ignore his angry threats and drive away in a few minutes. If you speak to him, however, he is going to break into your booth and attack you like a wild animal. God knows what entity he is that can mimic a human voice so perfectly. Rule 3. If someone orders fries, tell them you're all out because you do not want to open a bag of frozen fries at midnight. Trust me, the scent will attract unwanted attention, and it will end well for no one. Rule 4. If you hear your name being called from behind you, stop everything you're doing, lay down, and close your eyes. You might feel teeth on your limbs, or giant talons rubbing against you, or your head, or torso, but please do not move. It will be gone after you hear demonic giggling. Rule 5. If you see a five-year-old girl with no eyes, standing in the driveway looking directly at the camera, lock all of the doors and windows, and close all of the lights. You might hear screaming, roaring, and screeching from the outside. Once it's been a minute since the sounds have ceased, turn the lights back on and continue with your job. Rule 6. If you hear people in the main dining room, do not check that out. No one is there, since the place will be locked. It's just another distraction by the creature lurking nearby. Rule 7. If the lights go out by themselves, chop off a toe or finger and place it on the drive through counter and duck behind it. You'll hear growls, followed by a quick snatching sound. Get up once the lights are back and check the counter. If your finger or toe is missing, congratulations, you're able to live to see another day. If the finger or toe is still there, just pray to God it kills you quickly and doesn't take its time cherishing your screams. Rule 8. It is advised that you do not sleep because then you can miss your name being called or the five-year-old girl or the laughing and talking sounds of people in the dining area, which can cost you your life. I was puzzled. 
If this was a joke, it was a terrible one, I thought to myself, just before noticing movement in the bushes in the drive-thru. Do you know how you think you can be brave and fight through fear during fight-or-flight situations? Well, no. Your body seizes up when facing the fear head-on without a warning. Somewhere in my heart, I believe that this list was fake or an elaborate prank. But I did not want to take any chances, so I decided to comply with the rules. For the first hour of the night, literally nothing paranormal happened. I didn't even get a customer. Till then, this will be easy, I sighed and thought to myself. Flipping through the cameras every 20 minutes, I almost didn't notice the little girl peeking through a bush, her eye sockets devoid of eyes. I looked at them, and they seemed void of any human emotion. They were evil, in a way. The more I looked in them, the more I wanted to cry. I was so fixated. I almost forgot to switch the lights off, but remembered rule five. I got under the counter after switching off the lights. I heard something slam against the wall, or the booth, something like that. It sounded large, but lashed out and tried to break through the wall. Then I heard quick footsteps, followed by the cries of a little girl. The cries kept on increasing in intensity, to the point where I thought I would go deaf. I covered my ears but completely and obviously still hear the cries. The cries ceased within 30 seconds, and I heard a low growl. The growl was followed by sounds of roaring and slashing of meat. The sounds were so disgusting that I threw up all over the floor. After collecting myself mentally, then I got up and turned the lights back on. I cleaned the puke up and contemplated what I had just been through. Before I was even able to finish thinking about this, I heard people talking. The noise is very distant. I couldn't make out any words, just laughs, giggles, and overlapping voices. The night was eerily silent, so I could just about hear every little thing that went bump in the night. I was just about to go check it out when I remembered some rules regarding this specific event. I reread the list and found it. It was rule six. I had to just ignore it and it'd go away. And so I did. I put on my earphones and started with some schoolwork. Almost one hour passed and nothing happened when finally a customer came through the drive-thru. I served them and was happy that there were people starting to come now. I saw another car pulling up. I was happy now. I was not alone in this hellhole any longer. My good mood was immediately put off when I saw it was a black Range Rover with tinted windows. I didn't speak to the angry man on the other side. He screamed his order. He said, I know you're in there. Are, are you deaf? I didn't reply and kept my cool. Ten minutes later, it was gone. My shift is over now, and I'm sitting here typing this, contemplating if this job is worth $200 a day or not. I wanted to quit, but the guy begged me not to, and that he would double my pay since I was so good at it, but I don't want to risk my life again. I used to work the night shift at UPS as a security guard. The security shed was at the entrance of the gate to make sure no one could get into the facility. The job wasn't too hard. I mostly checked seals on semi-trucks coming in, and when the shifts changed, I'd check in and out of the package, handlers working inside the facility. Package handlers would have to walk through a metal detector and scan their ID cards to enter. Their ID would make a green light go off when they scanned in, and we would let them pass. If they didn't have their ID that day, they had to wait with me and my coworker while one of us contacted a supervisor or HR to let them in. One night, my coworker and I just finished up, checking in and out the shift change. 
I was about to do one of our hourly parking lot checks when I saw someone approaching the shed. I yelled out, Late today? He said, Yep. And I walked back to help my coworker check him in. I don't know why I walked back in. My coworker could easily check in one late person by himself, but maybe I could just help him out. I also felt obligated to finish our conversation since I yelled out to him. When we let the guy in, I noticed that I had never seen him before, but new people come in all the time so it wasn't a big shock. As he scanned in his ID, I noticed for the first time ever that the green light showed up red followed by a loud buzz. Shocked because I have never seen an ID fail, then, as he passed through the metal detector, it went off near his hip. He showed us his belt buckle and said must be this. Following protocol, we then ask him to take a step back. When the metal detector goes off, if the person removes what they are wearing that sets it off and tries again, they can go through. They need to empty all their pockets though. For whatever reason, going against protocol, my coworker lets him in after he removes only his front pockets, but since his ID failed, we couldn't let him in anyways, so my coworker lets him sit down in the shed with us while I call a supervisor. None of the supervisors answered their phones, probably because a shift just started and they were busy organizing workers. A few futile calls later and the late guy said, Hey, I'm going to be super late, can I just go in? I said that he couldn't just because I could get fired. He said, No one is going to know. But then I pointed to a camera in the corner of the shed looking at us. His face almost jolted to look at it. I told him, I would try HR. The night shift HR was a cool guy that would chill and talk trash with us on our breaks. He told us that a night shift HR worker is pretty much just a human complaint box. People just go to him to complain about other people. When he answered his phone, I asked him if he could come out and check this guy in. He said he was talking to someone and if I could just get his name and ID number, everything would be fine. I gave him the name and number on the late guy's card and HR told me he'd get back to me. While we waited, the guy asked us if we ever seen something crazy while working. I told him no, not really, and my coworker told him a story about a guy with a hatchet in the parking lot. I got a call from HR when I heard what he had to say. I almost froze right then and there. HR told me the late guy was an ex-employee. He was fired because he was involved in a violent altercation with the supervisor. HR told me to ask him to leave and call the cops if he did not. I did not know what to say so I made up a lie that there was only a new supervisor working tonight and no one could verify if he worked here. He then said, well, let me go get some co-workers that I know so they can tell you that I work here. I again pointed to the camera and said that if it's not a supervisor, I would get in trouble. He then said, how will I get paid? At this point, I know he doesn't work here anymore. So I told him that I would inform them that he showed up to work and that they will pay him for a full day without him even having to work. Clearly frustrated and out of excuses, he got up and left. As he left, I noticed something in his back pocket. Something in the shape of a firearm or a knife. Not a phone or a wallet. The rest of the night was normal. The next day I came to work, my supervisor was there to greet me. He shook my hand and my coworker's hand and said good job. He informed us that the guy from last night came back in the morning and crashed his car through the gate. I guess he was high on something, so when he crashed... He went unconscious for a little bit until the cops showed up. They searched his vehicle and found weapons and duct tape and shovel. Pretty much a murder kit. He was arrested and I never heard anything from it since. I quit a few weeks later and I still cannot believe I sat in a room with a would-be murderer for over 20 minutes and I wonder what would have happened if I just let my coworker check in that guy late by himself.
Hi, I'm a long-time listener to The Swamp. My name is David, and I do security at a mall in eastern Idaho. Now, I've been told it is haunted, and I will say I've experienced my fair share of paranormal things in my life. I have had several, just at this mall, and I wanted to share one for now, and maybe more in the future. A little background on me. I have done overnight security for over 13 years, and I've seen some of the worst in people. I've also done martial arts for about 29 years, so I'm not scared of much, and I have a deep set of faith. I am a Christian, and have the gift of discernment and empathy. I can also feel and see the spirits around me. Enough about me now. I was on patrol, outside of my mall one night. I work grave shift, like I said. I saw I needed to refill my water bottle and stay hydrated. As I pulled up to the mall doors near our security office, I noticed the shape of a figure inside, about as tall as a young teenager would be. I hurried inside, thinking, great, someone got in or hid, and I did not see them. After entering, I listened and quickly dropped off my water bottle in my office and relocked the door. I went into the mall silent, listening to the dark and waiting to see or hear anything to indicate the presence of a person. I searched the mall. I occasionally would hear footsteps here and there, and sometimes some laughter. I looked and in no place were anyone hiding. No teens, no doors opening, and no alarms going off. After clearing the mall and getting more water, I went back to my security vehicle. I did not see anything until I sat in the driver's seat and looked out my rearview mirror. I saw what looked like a group of teens in all black, black eyes, and one smiled with a creepy look that I'm going to honestly assume was a smile. I whipped the car around to shine the light on the intruders, not more than 15 feet away, and they just were suddenly gone. There was no way they could run or hide that fast. I looked nearby and saw nothing. Morning came, and no more sightings. But at night, I could still hear the laughter at times while I'm checking the exterior doors. So I work at a grocery company that is slowly making its many name brand stores across the country. This story takes place last year, a few months after my 16th birthday. I decided to get a job because I was tired of doing nothing all day in my house, and I figured, why not earn some money? At this point in time, all I worked was the night shift, which was normally 3pm to 10pm almost every single day. I was not a cashier when this took place, I was a UT which is basically a buggy boy. Obviously, I took in the buggies all day, but I also cleaned the bathrooms every hour and took out all the trash every night. I also stayed an hour late to help the stalkers finish up their work so we could all get out at the same time. Anyway, one night I was working, and it was nearing the end of my shift. I was gathering up my bit of grocery carts as the store was closing. As I made a trip outside to get the carts, I noticed a man dressed in all black standing at the end of the shopping center. I was a little concerned, but I did not think much of it. As I headed back inside, though, I noticed the man got closer. I could see his face, and he had no expression. I walked inside and asked my manager to come outside with me so she could stand at the door while I got the remaining buggies outside. My manager and I were awfully close, so she had no problem with it. As I walked outside... I could see the man out of the corner of my eye. As I began heading towards the buggies, 
the man started walking amazingly fast toward me with the most horrible smile on his face. He kept getting closer and closer until he saw my manager. The second he saw her, he instantly turned around and disappeared around the store corner. I was in shock at what just happened. I do not know what this man's intentions were, but I'm glad I got my manager to come outside with me. Unfortunately though, this is not where the story ends. After all my buggies were in, I noticed a little black carry basket. The company does not allow customers to take them outside, but someone must have taken them out there. So, my manager said I had to go and get it, but the guy was probably still roaming around. So I got in my car and went to go get it, then drove back to the store. Now, it's not like the basket was super close to the store, because I would have just gone and grabbed it, but it was all the way across the parking lot. So I got the basket, gave it to my manager, and went to leave. My teenage self thought it would be a good idea to park my car in the parking lot and call one of my friends to tell her what had just happened, instead of just driving home, which was in a whole other city about 20 minutes away. I called my friend to say what happened and I noticed a figure getting close to my car. I immediately recognized it to be the man coming straight to my car with an object in hand. I hit the gas and drove out of the parking lot so fast. Nothing else happened after that. Soon, I transferred to the same store but in a different town. One that I lived in and I do not really do the night shift anymore. Not by choice, but it is because once you have worked there long enough you start having more day shifts. Anyone who has ever worked a night shift job would tell you that it eventually gets old. I remember being excited about my first night shift job. I thought it would be so cool, like that episode of Spongebob with the hash-slinging slasher or something. It was nothing like that at all. In fact, it got plain old repetitive after a while. I am a male nurse and I had been working in a hospital nearby. It was a long commute and extremely unbearable. Once I finished my contract with the hospital, which was a year, I decided to apply for another job. One that was a little less stressful and disorganized than the hospital. I got a job at a child psychiatric unit. Working with children with mental illnesses seemed like a cool job. Maybe cool is not the right word, but meaningful. The hospital left me with this feeling of trying to save people who were going to die anyway. But with these kids... I could make a real difference that might turn their life around or find a way to help them cope with whatever is wrong with them. I was all around excited about it. The pay was even higher, which had me excited too. The only problem was that the only shift available was the night shift. The hiring manager told me that there would be openings on the day shift position somewhere in the next couple of months, and I would be the first one to get it if it opened up. But that was about it. So. There I was helping kids, at night. The only problem was that they were all asleep for the most part. The only time I got to do anything was when one of them woke up or started misbehaving. This very quickly became the most boring job I had ever worked in my life. About a month went by when something moderately frightening happened. It was like any other night. I was sitting at my desk, charting some stuff I had done with the kids earlier that night. I hear a noise that I did not quite recognize at first. It sounded like one of the kids were wrestling or something, but on the bed. I got a little anxious. I really did not want to go in there and walk in on some mentally handicapped kids having sex or something. Call me cynical, 
but that is where my mind went immediately. But when I go in there, I saw something that I do not think I can ever unsee. I turn on the light, and I saw one of the older kids trying to smother a smaller one. The kid that was doing the smothering had no previous incident of violent behavior. I do not personally know these kids too well, because I only worked at night and not during the day, but I knew their cases well enough that the kid doing the smothering had bipolar disorder. It was severe, but he had never had a violent outburst like this. It was just so unusual. I immediately pulled him off the other kid, and he started fighting me. He reached around his head and punched me in the nose at a weird angle. This kid had to be 11 or 12 years old, and I was honestly surprised at how much force he had behind his punch. He didn't break my nose or anything, but he bloodied it up. My adrenaline kicked in after that, and I was able to retain him without a problem. I called for a nurse from another unit in the building to come over and help me. It felt like it was forever waiting for this nurse, but she got over within a few minutes. The entire time I was waiting, though, I could not help but look at this kid who had nearly been murdered. When the other nurse got over, we gave him some medication that would knock him out and put him to sleep. I asked the other nurse, Carla, what I was supposed to do. She was there for a few years, and I assumed that she would have a good answer. We just did everything you can do. Violent outbursts don't get kids thrown out of here. I was a little shocked. I argued with her a little, but that was about it. I tried talking to the kid that was being smothered, and he did not have a whole lot to say about it. He said that he did not really know the other kid that well, but they never had a negative incident up until this night. This was a few years back now, and I cannot ever forget how I almost watched that kid die. If I had been just a few minutes later, he probably would be dead now. It was not long after that experience that I started looking for another job. I got one a few weeks later and did my best to explain the situation to my case manager. She did not seem to understand or care, but that is not my problem anymore. So, this happened to me a couple of weeks ago, but I decided to share it now. I am a 19-year-old female college student. I work part-time at a grocery store, and at the time of this event, I was doing the closing shift. It was 7pm to 12am. The first two hours were normal and went without any trouble. Around 9pm, the store was dead, so my manager told me to close my register and gave me a cart full of returns to put back. I was halfway done with the cart and was on my way to put back some toilet paper. Some quick information about the layout of the store. The registers are all awfully close and there are two entrances at both sides of the registers. The cleaning supplies, pet food, and frozen aisles are located to the far left where there are no entrances and you cannot see anything from the registers. It is the perfect place to take your phone and text your friends without getting caught by the managers. Anyway. The toilet paper was at the end of the aisle, and I headed there, but made a quick stop to put some body wash two aisles away before the toilet paper. I felt someone walking behind me, so I turned around and saw a tall man walking behind me. He just looked at me while I put the body wash on the shelf. I didn't think anything of it at first because I thought he was just waiting for me to move so he could get something or browse through the body wash. I quickly finished putting them back and headed to the next aisle with my cart. I did not look back, but I could feel him walking behind me. I proceeded to turn to the next aisle, finally, to put back the toilet paper, and after I did, 
I turned around and he was just there staring at me. I politely asked if he needed any help, and he just shook his head. No, I was just following you, because you were incredibly beautiful. Do you have a boyfriend? I was kind of creeped out, and I did not have a boyfriend, but something told me to say yes. So I said, Thank you, but I do have a boyfriend. He stopped smiling, and then asked me if my relationship was serious, and I said yes. He then just said, Well... I'll see you around. And he turned and left. I was really freaked out and asked my manager if I could take my break because I did not want to be doing returns while this guy was still in the store. So 15 minutes passed and I went back out. I looked around and thought the man had left. My manager sent me back to the register because we had a couple of lines. Around 11.30pm, I look up and see the man walking towards the registers. I try to hide and usher a woman with two fool cards to come to my lane and she does. I look up again and lock eyes with the guy. He proceeds to hurry to my line and he only had three items, so the lady with the two cards let him go in front. I greet him since it is part of my job and my manager was around. I asked him for his rewards card and I scan his things. His total was around $12. When he opened his wallet, I saw that he had a couple of 20s, 10s, and some 100s. Normally people will give me 20s, and it's the closest to his total, but he pulls out a 100 and gives it to me while winking. I give him his change and he just looks at my name tag and says, Good night, beautiful. Once I see him leave, I let out a deep breath and kept going on with my job. So, at 12, I turn my till in, say goodnight to my manager, and head out to my car. I am generally a paranoid person so I lock my doors as soon as I am inside the car. I turn it on and wait for it to warm up since it was rather cold outside. I look at my phone and out of nowhere I decided to look up. And when I do, I see the same guy jogging towards me. He was halfway through and I immediately back up and start heading out of the parking lot. He then runs back to his car and starts following me. I stop at the light right as I exit the parking lot and he gets extremely close to my car. I could not even see his headlights. I then start driving and make a wrong turn to see if he was following me. He proceeds to make the same turns as me and I am convinced that he is following me. I decide to go back to the main road and he follows. As soon as I am back on the main road, I think of what to do. I call my mom and I am on the phone with her almost crying, and then I see red and blue lights behind me. I pull to the side and see a cop car behind me. I roll down the window and the cop proceeds to tell me that I was driving without lights on. I was in such a rush to get out of the parking lot that I forgot to turn on the lights. He asks for my license and registration and goes to his car to check them. I see the same guy that was following me drive past and park about 25 meters in front of me. The cop then comes back and gives me my things and just tells me to turn on my lights and be more careful. He then asks if I'm okay and I tell him that the car in front of me has been following me since I got out of work. He then tells me that he will take the license plate of the car and told me to speed up a little above the speed limit and that if the car matches my speed that he will stop him. The cop then gives me his number to call him and let him know when I arrived home. I did what he told me, and the car also followed at the same speed limit, so the cop stops him and I continue driving home. I get home and quickly get inside my house and put the alarm on. I call the cop and let him know I arrived safely. He then lets me know he gave the man a ticket and that he will keep tabs on him for a while. I thank him and I have not seen the guy ever again or received any information from the police.
When I was in college, I worked the night shift one summer vacation. I was 19 years old and an average-looking female. I was not enthused about having to work a job over the summer, but it was the only way I was going to be able to afford tuition. Working the night shift was probably the weirdest experience of my life. It was at the McDonald's drive-thru. I still remember my first night on the job. This lady came in and was talking to someone while she was waiting for us to take her order. She sounded incredibly upset, and she was screaming at the top of her lungs. It sounded like she was directing it to somebody in the back seat. I immediately assumed that she was abusing her children. I am a psychology major, so I naturally pick up on stuff like that. She ordered three Big Macs and three large Cokes. My intuition has to be wrong. When she pulled up to pay for her meal, she was completely alone. I was honestly a little bit startled. Why would this lady be here, buying this much food, and screaming in her car if she were alone? I could not wrap my head around the situation. She was otherwise polite. She was nice as she spoke to me and paid for her food and left. She even told me to have a good night. She had been the only customer we had in a probably 45-minute time frame. And after she left, I saw some of my coworkers laughing at me. I asked him what was so funny, and he told me that this was probably my first encounter with Schizo Susan. They told me that she regularly did stuff like this and always showed up at all hours of the night to order seemingly too much food. She would always be yelling at people in her car, but there was never anyone in her car. They did not actually know her name, so they just started calling her Schizo Susan. I think that's pretty messed up, though. They told me that there were occasional nights when she was the only customer to come through the drive-thru at all. I found it extremely unnerving. I immediately started wondering what was wrong with this woman. About a week went by and she came in every night, just like they said, and in between speaking to me and to order her food, she would always be yelling at someone. I could not take it anymore. I had to know what was up, so I formulated a plan. I was just going to ask her who she was speaking to. You know, play it off like I thought she was talking to me. It was the best I could come up with without seeming abrasive. I remember it being a Friday night when I decided to finally do it. I had chickened out a couple of times, but I figured that since I do not work the weekends, I may as well try something new to end my last shift for the week. Well, that night I did it. I listened to her screaming for a few seconds, more than I normally did. You see... I can listen to what people are saying through the McDonald's speaker without them necessarily knowing that I'm listening. If I do not say anything, they would never know. I normally never did this because it's kind of frowned upon. I am sure there is a rule against it, but I, I listened for probably 20 or 30 seconds. I listened for long enough to know that she was yelling at someone named Darian. When she was in the middle of saying something, I interrupted her and said, I'm sorry ma'am, were you speaking to me? She just replied no. Crap. I thought to myself. I knew that I had to try something else. I asked her if Darian would be ordering with her. Then she went silent. It was not an entire minute, but she just did not say anything. After the second time of me asking her if she was still there, she let out a banshee scream. It was the loudest thing I have ever heard in my life. It really hurt my ears. The McDonald's microphone system is already loud, but when someone screams into it, Trust me when I say that it is the most unbearable thing you can have ever experienced. I was also surprised at how long she screamed. She had one deep, loud, guttural scream going for at least 30 seconds. Now though, 
I was scared for my life. I also got worried that I was going to lose my job. I felt guilty for asking, like it was my fault for setting her off. In retrospect, I do not think I really did anything horrible to her. Literally, I just asked her if the person whose name she was screaming just a minute ago was going to be ordering food. I never heard this Darien character ever say anything after she screamed. It was just kind of a violent and guttural screaming. I was really taken aback for a moment. How the heck do you even respond to that? I asked her if she wanted to continue placing her order that was when she just drove away. She really floored it and drove away faster than anybody really should have. As she drove by, I saw her face looking at me through the window. It must have only been a split second that I could even see her, but I got one good look at her. She looked extremely distressed, and as if things could not get any weirder, the microphone system stopped working correctly for the rest of the night. I think she screamed loud enough to break something in it. That was hands down the weirdest thing to ever happen to me throughout any job I have ever worked. And this weird lady just disappeared after that. She stopped coming to McDonald's altogether. I asked some of the co-workers how long she had been stopping by for for her nightly visits, and they said it was for as long as they can remember, which probably meant at least a year. I felt somewhat guilty for pissing this lady off so bad, but I think it is safe to say that she probably needs some serious help. I've not worked at McDonald's in a long time, and I do not plan on never working fast food again. I just hope that wherever that lady ended up, she got the help that she desperately needed. This next story is actually a personal story of mine. Yes, Swamp Dweller. A personal Swamp Dweller story, I know. How crazy. I have told this story quite a few times on my live streams when I read live stories and do stuff like that, and I've had a lot of people request that I share it in a video. And since I was working the night shift at the time, I figured I'd share it with you guys. Now, I'm just going to tell this story straight up from my perspective, I'm not going to write it down and narrate it or anything, because I think it'll be a little bit more enjoyable this way, and, you know, it's easier just to recall the event than to make a story out of it. Anyways. I was about 19, maybe freshly 20 at the time. I had been working at Walmart for pretty much most of my working life, probably 4 or 5 years at that point. I believe I started working there sometime around 16 or so, maybe a little bit later, maybe early 17, something like that. Anyways, I at the time was an overnight support manager, and pretty much my job was just to make sure everything was running smoothly on the floor and that nobody was really just messing around. Now, I worked at a small Walmart, and this was in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, some Most people in that area know it as the Hendersonville Road Walmart. So, there's some perspective for you guys, um, some location. It was very interesting as we had recently had a lady who I believe had schizophrenia staying in her car in our parking lot. Now, this parking lot... It's kind of it's kind of big, honestly, and it has like three or four sections. Anybody who knows the Walmart I'm talking about knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, anyways, it was a very interesting experience because she had been coming in multiple times a night over the past week or so, just kind of doing weird stuff around the store. Not exactly, you know, being a nuisance or a disturbance, but just being kind of odd. Um, this one night, though, she decided that she wanted to get a Snickers bar and use the bathroom before she was going to pay for the Snickers bar. Now, I assumed, you know, I don't really mind, especially since most people at Walmart will pay for their stuff as long as they're, 
you know, a lot of people will go to Walmart, they'll say, get like food, they'll eat it, but they'll pay for it at the end, you know, or get a drink and drink from it and pay for it at the end. So I just assumed she would pay for it when she got out of the bathroom or whatever. Well, she was in there for a long time, a very, probably 30, 45 minutes or more. Um, I'm about to send people on their lunch break. So at this point, it's just going to be me, the CSM, which is a cashier manager or customer service manager, excuse me. And um, I believe just the, uh, the maintenance manager that's there with us overnight as well. And uh, everybody else is on lunch for the most part at that, part, at that point. And um, so I'm just checking in, making sure everything's going fine with uh, the back room, making sure that we're, you know, we're on schedule. We're going to get all the stuff you know, stocked and zoned and all good for the night. And I get a call on the radio to come up front because there's some, you know, there's a customer-related issue. So I'm like, all right, I make my way up there, and I notice the lady who went to the bathroom is now at the cashier trying to pay for this chocolate, but she now seemingly has this chocolate all over her hands, and she is licking it and, and just getting it all over the place. Um, she starts freaking out when almost immediately when I ask her is if there's a problem because she's like no should there be a problem blah 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 and I asked her uh you know if she would like a napkin or something to clean her hands because it's getting the pen pad and all that dirty she wasn't paying with a pad or, or a, a card excuse me I'm stumbling over myself she wasn't paying with a card though she was paying with cash so but for whatever reason she kept like putting her fingers all over the thing you know it's like children they have to touch everything it was so weird um Eventually, she paid, and we just kept the money outside the register because it was covered in, uh, at the time, what we assumed was chocolate. Um, She smelled incredibly bad, too. It was, like, terrible, but since we knew the situation, that she had been, you know, living in a car for a short time, we understood that she probably just smelled bad because of that. So we're like, okay, we're not going to, you know, kick somebody while they're down, obviously. Um, So she apparently walks outside, goes back to her car, does her thing, a few minutes later, I got a call on the radio from the maintenance manager saying that there's something I need to see in the front bathroom that she went to. Um, when I walk in there, there is a sight to be seen. There is poop on the walls, the floor, the roof, the sink, the mirror, the door, and the doorknob. There is poop everywhere except the toilet. So, what we thought was a lady eating a Snickers bar was actually her covered in her own feces and licking it off and getting it all over whatever she touched. Um, after this incident, we just ended up calling the police because she came in not long after that, actually, um, like screaming like a banshee, absolutely freaking out and uh, saying that we, we, we stole something from her or something like that. She said somebody took something from her car, and I have no way of knowing if somebody actually took something from her car, but she was pushing stuff off the shelves, smashing stuff, and just running around the store like an absolute wild man. And it was, like I said, a sight to be seen. And eventually when the cops got there, they, they grabbed her, you know, they cuffed her, they took her to uh, what I understand is some sort of psychiatric hospital, and they towed her car and unfortunately, I've never heard anything that ever happened to her again. My best wishes go out to her because she clearly was um, struggling with something. And I'm not going to say it was schizophrenia or anything like that, that a lot of people said it was. Um, but I definitely felt bad and scared in the situation. And uh, I'm just happy that everything ended up um, somewhat okay.
Thank you guys for listening to my story. I hope it was enjoyable to listen to, even though I didn't really narrate it. I kind of just told it to you like I would at a campfire. And, uh, yeah. I've been working the night shift for as long as I can remember. I do security for older, abandoned places. Usually, it's nothing too crazy. Sometimes, I'll have to run off a homeless person or two, but that's generally about it. That was until the summer of 2014. I live in Texas. We don't generally put up with anyone's antics. There's a reason they tell you don't mess with Texas. Anyway, I say this to tell you. I take that sort of thing to heart in many ways. It is a part of my own personality. I don't scare easily and I sure as hell don't back down. Things in my story start off rather subtly. The odd sound here and a weird movement there. It was nothing crazy at first and considering I had been on my job for a good five years at this point, I thought maybe someone was messing with me or it was just rodents or something like that. It was probably about mid-July when things began to really escalate. I was walking around this old office building. The places I watch over were fairly large and so I didn't often get bored, as while I would take things at my own pace, the places were large enough that truly searching them meant the whole night was over before I knew it. So, as I said, I was waltzing my way through the building, scanning around with my flashlight and half zoning out when I heard a noise in a room across the hall. The noise was a grinding noise like when you drag those chairs across the floor in a classroom. You probably know the ones. You have those weird feet, and they make a grating and aggravating noise. Well, I entered the room the sound came from, and as I did, I noticed the sound is extremely easy to hear at this point. I announced myself thinking someone was being stupid or maybe just wanting to be caught or something. Still, the noise continues and, at this point, it's constant back and forth like someone is running the feet of the chair. Anyway, I was annoyed and wanting the noise to stop, so I rushed around the corner of some cubicles and yelled at whoever is back there needs to leave. As I round the corner, however, the noise stops and the chair is just sitting there, abandoned. Thinking someone went around the other side as that was the only way out, I went over there. I try to cut them off and get to the door. As I'm rounding the corner, I hear a loud slam. I turn around and realize the chair had been thrown at me and just missed my head. Pissed off at this point and a bit confused, I searched the room high and low. I found no one nowhere. I checked every nook and every cranny, and no one left back out the door. I don't know what that was. I know this because the door is rather heavy and old so it creaks and makes a fair amount of noise. While this was strange, I simply wrote up a report and went on about my night. I didn't have much of an explanation. It certainly was odd, but I've always been a super rational individual, and I'm not one to overthink these things. I wasn't sure how to get out of the room, but in my head, the only thought was someone had to have obviously found a way out. I hadn't considered anything paranormal. The rest of the night went by fairly uneventfully and I went home soon after. A couple of weeks later, near the beginning of August, I was working some overtime, a rare occurrence, when I heard distinct and heavy footsteps down the hallway. 
I followed these footsteps to the end of the hallway when suddenly they were behind me and on the other end of the hallway. A tad thrown by this, I decided to follow the footsteps back when it happened again. At this point, I believed maybe a couple of homeless people or even some kids were messing around with me and thought it would be funny to make loud noises down on each end of the hall. Again, I'm a rational individual, so if it could be explained in some rational way in my head, it was as good as solved. I walk toward the end of the hallway and laugh and call out. I tell the people messing with me that I'll let them off if they just get out of here, as they were doing was actually amusing me and livened up my night a bit. There's silence for a moment, and I'm about to walk off when I hear this ungodly yelling. It sounds inhuman, and is so loud I feel myself jump out of my skin for a moment before I bring myself down to reality. This is when I hear a sudden barrage of steps coming my way loudly and quickly. I turn and rush down the hallway and once again, the ungodly call yells at me again. This time, though, this time, I swear I hear my name in the sound. Deciding I might be freaking out over nothing, I pause for a brief rest and try to rationally decipher in my mind what had just happened. The noise had faded and it appears I'm safe at the moment. So, after a good 10 to 15 minutes of talking myself down, I laugh at myself and decide it is time to go back and check things out. I head back down the hallway slowly and scan things. The air has a heaviness to it, and I feel myself getting a headache as I push further down the hall. There's an almost humming sound going through my head now, and I believe I'm beginning to see something. I see the light shifting in the halls, and that's confusing, and there hasn't been any power to these buildings for a while. Then, it's dark again, and I swear I can hear my name again. It's being whispered, and while definitely shaken by everything, I shout angrily that whoever is messing with me needs to leave now. See, I might be afraid, but there is a limit at which point I go from being scared to pissed off. If someone was somehow pulling a prank, something I was beginning to believe less and less as things happened, I was fed up with it, and they needed to leave. Then, all at once, the air grew lighter again, and the humming and whisper simply just stopped. I filed a report. I'll admit, I was pretty non-specific as to what I witnessed, as I didn't know for sure myself what was happening. I didn't want to put my job in jeopardy by sounding like a loon. The remainder of the night was quiet, and I didn't have any problems again until a couple of months later in early October. It was around the first or second of the month when I came into work in a fairly great mood. I'd met someone over the past couple of months and she was a wonderful woman. We're married now. Excited to go see her after my shift, I was pretty light on my feet and chipper in my mood as I walked the halls of the buildings. That is when I heard the all too familiar noise. It was an inhuman screaming, almost a growling sound. Confused and annoyed at this point, I headed through the building I was in as swiftly as possible. Nothing was going to ruin my mood tonight, I thought to myself. As I'm searching, I hear the sound again, but this time it resonates through the hallway toward me. Whatever was doing this was loud enough I could hear it through the entire building. Deciding I should seriously look into this, I head a bit more quickly, peeking around corners and searching places I don't normally check. I'm not finding anything when I hear a very distinct screaming. It sounds like a woman. I head toward the sound of that screaming, and that's when I find a trail of blood. I call the cops immediately as I head inside. 
I I'm trying to explain everything I hear to them, but that's when I find a woman, or what's left of her, ripped into and bleeding all over the place. I'm in shock as I'm explaining to the 911 dispatcher where I'm at and what I am seeing. That's when I hear the growl again, and I can feel my body being overtaken by goosebumps. I've never in my entire life felt chills like this. There's a scratching sound coming from down the hall, and I'm asking this poor woman who clearly can't say anything, what the hell is going on? She is just coughing up blood and bleeding all over the place. As I continue to hear this thing come down the hall, I am freaking out, and that's when I see the flashing lights from outside. I scream with all my lungs, help, help, we're in here. Soon after that, the air grew less heavy again and the paramedics and cops arrived. I'm crying, holding this poor woman who looks like she'd been mauled by a bear or something. I'm confused and don't really know how to explain that. I don't know how to explain what I had heard or how this woman was even here, bleeding to death in my arms. I'm taken out, the woman is taken too, and I try my best to explain what I knew. The woman died from the wound she had and loss of blood. I don't know how to explain this thing that is down there, but... I was moved after some time off to a single building to watch, in a much more populated area. I'm fairly certain the police seemed to think the woman was mauled by a rabbit dog or something. That was the word anyway. I, however, do not believe for a second that this poor woman died at the hands of an animal. At least, not some rabbit dog. There was something in that place and I was never more sure of this fact until that night. I still work nights now and thankfully things are more peaceful. I've never gone back to those buildings, and I don't ever plan to. This is the one time in my life I can say, I don't wish to know what was hiding in those buildings, and I don't wish to know the explanation behind what happened. Whatever it was, I don't believe it was natural or human. Thanks for reading my story. You can call me Maddie, as I won't share my real name. I was a 911 dispatch worker on a night shift for my area. I won't share my area as I don't feel comfortable doing so. That said, anyone working 911 dispatch on any shift can tell you it's a tough job. It's very mentally and emotionally taxing, as it's your responsibility to make sure someone get the help they need as soon as possible. But, some of the things you hear on the other end of the line, well... They're just horrific. We go through a fair amount of training to deal with these things, and there is always an open door if we need more help dealing with things mentally or emotionally with the trials of the job at hand. Anyway, my story revolves around several strange calls I got over the course of several nights, and the strange occurrences that happened soon after. The first night I got one of these calls was in December. It was during most kids' holiday. One of the first things we ask people to give us when we receive a call is the address that they are at. It's a vitally important bit of information as unless you are calling from a landline, we don't usually know the specific address you are calling from. This is changing as tech changes, but at the time I was doing this, if you were calling from a cell phone, we could trace within the general area in most cases, but we often could get an exact address. Also, depending on how many cell towers were in the area, if you're in a rural area and you just have poor signal, it can make our job that much harder. Anyway, 
I get a call and it's a man who simply says, Help! In a groggy sounding voice, and the line just dies after that. As I said before, if it's a landline, we'd have an address immediately, but this is what makes the call stranger. I have no information appearing at all as to the location of this call. There's generally some form of information, but I can't get anything off of this. Thrown off by this, I inform my supervisor of what just happened. We talk for quite a bit and she tells me she will look into it if I get another call like this. And just to let her know if it happens again. I'm sure she was worried. Maybe there was something wrong with the system or my equipment. I continue through the night and everything is working smoothly it seems. At this point, that one strange call has been pushed to the back of my mind and was almost forgotten. At about 6 in the morning, I'm ready to head home. That's when I get the last call of my night. It's that same groppy voice and it simply says, help, before hanging up. Once again, there's no caller information or anything to work with. I talk to my supervisor who tells me to get home and get some rest and she'll look into the issue more thoroughly. I go home and crash immediately. The next night I'm back at it again. I asked my supervisor if she ever figured out what was going on with those calls. She explained that she hadn't, but once again if I got another one, just signal her and she'd come and check it out. I believe she figured it was a prank of some kind, but she wasn't allowed to voice it out loud as we were supposed to take every call seriously and she seemed to be regardless of what she might have been thinking. It's about 11 at night and when I get another call and judging from the lack of data on my computer, I know immediately it's the guy. I signal for my supervisor who quickly rushes over and answers the call herself. This time there is nothing on the other end. No voice. Just breathing. The line then hangs up. Still, there is no information at all. Weirded out, my supervisor has me work on a different computer and system just to see if that changes anything or if somehow our own equipment is glitching. It's 2 in the morning and when we got another call from this man. Once again, there's no information. My supervisor tries to inform whoever is on the other end that if this is a prank call, they will be charged. There is silence, and the line hangs up again. My supervisor is equal parts confused and also angry, and I'm just at a loss. That said, the remainder of the year goes by without any more calls. It's shortly after New Year's when we get the mysterious call again. I answer a signal from my supervisor. The voice on the other end sounds like some groggy man, the same one from before, and he simply says, Why didn't you help me? This time, the caller ID turns up, and the call, it was coming from inside her own building. I remember the shock on my supervisor's face, and I remember being completely confused. My supervisor informs me she is going to search the building and ask that I keep doing my job. I agree to do so, but inside I just have this bad feeling. Nothing is right about these calls. I reluctantly get back to work and try not to overthink the calls I got. It's about 4 in the morning when I receive another call. It, once again, is coming from the building. It's the man, but he sounds happier. The words he says next put chills down my spine. She's mine now. The line hangs up. It is around this time I notice my supervisor hasn't responded to my signaling and haven't seen her since she was going to search the building. Trying to be rational and assuming she's probably talking with police or trying to get things handled elsewhere in the building, 
I try to continue my job till my shift ends. The second I'm off shift, I see the daytime supervisor and I ask him if he's seen or heard from the night shift supervisor. He said no and I began to get this sinking feeling. I ask him to search the building for her, as the last that I'd heard from her, she was looking into a strange calls we were getting from the building itself. He said sure thing, and I made him swear he'd search the building. I then went home and tried to get some sleep. It was shortly after I got home that I got a call from the daytime supervisor. He informed me that he'd found the night shift supervisor hanging in the basement level of the building. It appeared to be a suicide. I, I remember being freaked out and trying to explain that there was no way it was a suicide. There was no way. I remember being questioned about everything that had happened. And I remember the only answer I was ever given after it was all said and done was that my supervisor's death was a suicide. It was ruled a suicide and everything pointed to a suicide. I still don't believe it was a suicide and for a few months after this took place, I'd get calls at varying times of the night to my personal cell, went off duty with that man's voice. He'd just laugh, every time, and that laugh is etched into my memory eternally. I quit my job and moved a few months later. I no longer work in any sort of high stress job. In fact, I work from home now. I haven't received another call since moving. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm a nighttime security guy who watches over a business. I won't identify the business or my employers as to do so would result in the loss of my job. Anyway, I'll keep this as brief as possible. My job really isn't that hard. I basically stare at cameras and if anything seems off, I check the area. It's really that simple, but the nature of where I work makes it very important. So. I've been at this place for 15 years now, and around my fifth year is when things got really odd. I'm not sure what changed, to be honest. There's no dark history behind the land or the buildings I work in or anything that should make it obvious things would happen. Still, I was working on Saturday night roughly 10 years ago when the first of the activity started. It wasn't much. I was working in office, examining different areas when I saw a door open. It kind of just cracked open like someone had turned the latch and lightly pushed the door ajar. I watched closely as the door shut again, and I saw no one. Fearing a security breach of some sort, I made note of the room and number and floor and headed to check it out. When I arrived, I found the door hovering open. I say hovering open as the door will close if you don't hold it open, 
It's made to do so, and also to lock behind you as it shuts. I called out, asking if anyone was there, and stated my name and job to them. I received no response, and so I took my flashlight and headed inside the door. Turning the lights on, I didn't see anything out of the ordinary. The door shut normally behind me, and it didn't seem like anything was propping the door open or that anything in the room had even been touched. After thoroughly searching the room and then testing the door several times, I went back to my security room at a loss for what had happened. I wrote a report and noted it. I didn't find anyone or anything that would have caused the strange happenings. A week goes by and it's another Saturday night. It's probably about 1 in the morning when I notice someone running through the hallways. I follow them in the cameras until I notice they are headed my way. Right about the time they hit the camera outside my room, there is a power surge, quickly followed by a pounding on the door. The surge ended and no one is on any of my cameras. I look outside immediately and search up and down the hallways. I found no one around though. At about 3 in the morning, I head back into my security room. I begin writing up another report and somewhat worried my supervisor is going to think I'm some sort of nut with the reports I'm writing. The remainder of the night is fairly relaxed. I file my report and go home for much needed sleep. About 3 months later, possibly, I'm chilling and doing my job when I hear giggling from outside my door. Okay, I think. Strange, but nothing life-threatening. So I check my cameras. Once again, there doesn't appear to be anyone around, but I can very clearly hear distinct giggling, and I could still hear it as if I'm, as if it's right there. Deciding I'd be better just to check and open the door and look around, I can still hear the giggling, but now it's further down the hall. I walk forward and check the corners before proceeding onward. Every time I seem to turn a corner, the giggling is magically on the other end of the hallway. This is weird, but again, I don't feel threatened and I need some entertainment, so I decide to keep following the giggling. I spend the next hour following the sound in circles and all over different floors. Eventually, it stops. I find myself once again standing in front of the security room. I head inside and check the footage but it just shows me walking around and looking as though I'm doing my rounds. As such, I decide not to waste my time with the report as nothing weird was caught on camera. These are just a few experiences I've had while on the job. There are plenty of other strange happenings and they still happen today. I'm not sure what is wandering our facility, but I'm not sure it can be naturally explained and I do not believe that it is in any way threatening. I've actually grown to somewhat fond of our games of cat and mouse. It makes my shift a lot more exciting and I think it's kind of fun to investigate the odd sounds and weird happenings around the place at night. Who knows, maybe one night I'll finally see something that explains everything happening, but if I never do, I'll be happy knowing I've made an unseen friend and we've had many fun night hanging out in a way. My name is Ricky, and I'm a carny. It's a life of travel, and a life I've always loved. Still, nights have another aura about them. Depending on the location, things can get weird, and while my life is generally weird, there are some places I always dread going. My story takes place in the Midwest, a truly scary place indeed. It was fair time, 
and we would often spend a week here and go and spend another week there. These sorts of things are huge events, and I'm grateful to be able to bring joy to the kids and families who enjoy the rides we build and break down so often. All that aside, this place was something else. It wasn't subtle about it either. The very first night of the fair, and I'm working the Ferris wheel, when I hear this loud screaming. I see some of our crew rush over and check on the screaming. It isn't long before we all understand why the screaming happened. There's a dead kid in the house of mirrors, heart ripped from their body in big old bloody footprints that seem to lead to the mirrors, then simply vanish. Needless to say, the fair was shut down quickly the remainder of the night and the police were very intensely questioning all of us who worked the fair. Not a great opening night to the fair to say the least. Well, we answer their questions and explain how we are just perplexed as they are. The smug nature of the local police doesn't help the situation either. They are convinced one of our own murdered the kid and we have every moment now to fess up. After much arguing and no way to prove any of us had anything to do with the murder of this poor child, we are basically blamed for everything by the police in the town. Needless to say, we weren't extremely busy that week. In fact, all the business we got seemed to be from edgy teens who thought going to the murder fair would be exciting. I was messed up, but business is business, and we took what we could get, and all things considered, it was pretty much okay. It was the final night of the quote-unquote murder fair as we were now dubbed when some of the teens went into the Hall of Mirrors. There was laughter and shouting which drew our attention at first. I had someone take over my ferris wheel work, not that anyone was on the thing at the time anyway, and I went into the Hall of Mirrors just to be sure that everything was fine. I, you know, I just, I just knew they weren't going to be fine. A few seconds after entering, I hear this screaming and that's when I see the teens come stampeding out. I ask them if they're alright, and they're shaking and saying no. I ask them what happened, and they tell me they saw this female clown inside one of the mirrors. She just stared at them, smiling. The kids were very descriptive about this, and mentioned how her teeth were sharp and covered in blood. I smiled and asked them who came up with the joke. The looks on their faces said it wasn't a joke. I told them I'd go in and check it out and to stay out of the Hall of Mirrors in the future. I looked high and low and didn't find anything at first. It was about the time I decided to head back that I was confronted with the most grotesque and freaky looking clown I've ever seen in my entire life. I know how crazy it sounds and all I could say is I literally peed myself and thought I was going to die. There was this six or seven foot female clown with a big grin in her face and a large, what looked like, knife or something in her hand. She just kept laughing at me before turning and walking off. I was thoroughly confused and as I attempted to follow her, she turned the corner. The problem being, the corner led to a mirror. I looked in the mirror and saw no one. Freaked out, I marked the mirror before leaving the halls completely. I remember marking a big X on the thing and heading out to talk to the other carnies. Everyone asked if I was okay, and I just told them no, and that in the morning we need to take the mirror I marked out and destroy the thing, and replace the mirror in the next town. I wasn't asked much about it after that, and the first thing we did that morning was destroy the mirror. The next town we hit went smoothly, though word had gotten around about the murder fair, and we did have fewer children present. 
Our final stop in the Midwest was where things came to a head, so to speak. The business was booming and things were going well. We were having record sales and attendance as people have moved past the whole murder fair being scary and moved into a fascination with the idea. Rumors about the kid who never made it out and while it was no doubt really messed up, it was the citizens who did this, not us. We didn't market our fair as such. To be honest, we had hoped people would just forget about it. That wasn't going to happen now though, and it was less likely to happen after this night I'm about to speak of. A kid went into the Hall of Mirrors alone. It wasn't long before his mom flipped out, understandably so, and began screaming at us that her son went in, but he hadn't come out in 15 minutes. It got to the point to where she was harassing other customers in an attempt to calm the woman, I offered to go with her to look for her son. I explained the only ways out were watch closely, and I'd walk with her and we'd finally probably find her lost son. This wound up being a mistake. Her son wasn't lost, the kid was clearly missing, and how that was so was so much a mystery as the fact that several people had been in and out of the place and didn't notice a thing. Kids don't just vanish. The cops were called and again we were questioned. We were all but run out of town after that. A few years after this all happened and once things settled down a bit, we went ahead and attempted to run a carnival around the area again. We avoided certain towns but we were welcomed in the ones we went to. We completely abandoned having a house of mirrors and we never had a problem after that. I don't know what happened to make that house of mirrors how it was. Perhaps we were cursed. I'm honestly not sure but we sold that section of our fair to a private purchaser who thought its history was odd and curious. I sometimes wonder what they use it for if that clown still roams its halls. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm a private eye, and as such, I work a lot of late night shifts. People sin the most at night, I always say. It's easier to catch most off guard than to, in my opinion. Now, my work typically takes me all over but much of my work involves catching cheaters in the act. The kind of thing is generally easy to do and kind of boring. So, to put it frankly, I was more than a little excited when I was asked to look for someone's missing daughter. I was told to be discreet and I was paid up front. I didn't even have to ask and that's something I generally have to fight with people. Usually, I ask for half immediately to pay the bills and half when the jobs are done so I guess my alarm bell should have gone off when the client paid all of it up front, no questions asked. Still, I'll admit, 
I was so relieved by how prompt and upfront they were about the cause that I wasn't about to argue, and I made their case my priority. I was told that the client believed their daughter may have run away. Still, the city is dangerous place to be running free for anyone, let alone a kid. The girl was supposedly 15 and I figured I'd start my search asking around the city through my contacts if they seen the girl. I got a big fat no from most of my contacts. But then I got a message about a girl that had been seen matching this girl's description 30 miles outside of the city. This had me concerned and after doing some digging, I was eventually led to a farm. Now, I went here after receiving a tip about the girl. Looking back now though, I wish I hadn't gone there at all. When I first inspected the place, it was by daylight. There were all the usual, unexpected private property signs, and after thinking on it, I decided I was going to approach the owners of the farm. Part of me didn't want to, but I was a smooth enough talker, I mainly wanted to get a vibe of the place anyway. I could have done this on my own, under cover of darkness, but I wanted to make the owners feel comfortable, and no matter the story they gave me, I was going to check the place out anyway later on. I figured, if nothing else, I'd get an idea of the lay of the land. So cautiously I announced myself and that's when a tall man approached me. He looked to be 6'4 and of stout build. The man spoke to me in a deep voice and basically asked what the hell I was doing near the farm. I explained I was looking for someone and I was wondering if they'd seen her around. After showing a photo of the girl I got a very firm, no. I asked if anyone else lived on the farm and perhaps I could show them the photo. After a very tense silence, the man opened the gate and insisted I come in. I cautiously walked ahead of this guy, being certain I was going to be murdered and never heard from again. As I walked through, I examined the area. It was pretty open, but there was something that caught my attention. It looked like a barn off in the distance. I diverted my attention straight ahead once more to see an old house. We'd walk some distance when two women come out. One was a heavier set one, and the other was quite the opposite. I have nothing against anyone who's overweight, as I have a bit of a belly myself. But the stark contrast was just something I noticed. A shorter man came out and greeted me, and asked what it was I needed. I explained to the man I'd been looking for a young girl that had recently been near the area, and I was wondering if they had seen her. The man took a close look at the photo and said he hadn't that he was often busy working the farm at which point he'd handed the photo to his wife. She shook her head before turning to their daughter and asked if she had seen the girl. She looked closely and shook her head, saying she hadn't but she'd keep an eye out in case anything was happening around the farm. I then took the photo and told the family thank you and said I'd be on my way. I even gave them a card to call in the event they saw her. I soon left the farm, escorted by my giant friend on the way out. I quickly drove away after that, but not too far as I basically took a nap in my car and waited for the night to fall. It wasn't long before my alarm went off and I realized it was 9 at night. I slowly drove my car toward the farm and drove by it as I looked for a decent area to ditch my car. When I found one, I parked my car, shut it off, and ran back to the farm. The vibe of the place was so much different at night. I was sure that this was part of my imagination and the creepy look of the place at night was just me feeling nervous. Still, I pressed forward, hopping the fence as I did, and slowly working my way toward the house. There were no lights on and all appeared silent when I approached. I peeked inside the windows and realized there was no activity, and so I looked around the area. Finding nothing in the yard, I examined a nearby shed. 
At first, all seemed well. But as I dug further, I noticed some photos. The photos were in a bag titled Family. Looking through them, they seemed innocent enough. That said, something didn't sit entirely right with me. The photos were all of women who looked to be in their teens, smiles on their faces, and wearing a strange gown made out of burlap sack. On top of that, the smiles they wore didn't seem entirely genuine. It looked more than a little forced. Examining these photos just showing the girls hanging out and doing farm work and eating watermelon, I attempted to make a call out to the contact after taking a photo of the photos. I was hoping to see if any of these girls were missing. Naturally, I had no signal out there though, and so I left the shed quietly and headed down the lane toward the fence and back to my car. Once there, I sent a text to one of my friends and asked about these girls. The person said they'd do some digging and get back to me, so I waited for a bit and eventually was told none of them had been missing. Confused, I told them thank you and decided I'd get something to eat and get some sleep as daylight was fast approaching and I wouldn't be able to get anything done then. The day came and went, and I was awoken by my alarm at about 7. There was still light out, but I wanted to get some food in me and get ready for a second night out, searching the premises. At 10, I headed back onto the farm. Once I had finished eating, and it was about 9, I had headed back to my hiding spot and waited. At 10, I headed back onto the farm. I was quiet, and I once again checked the house and made sure there was no activity. After I realized everything was quiet, I decided I wanted to check the barn in the distance. The area was open, and I couldn't help but feel afraid that someone would see me as I approached the barn itself. That was the least of my worries though, as I would soon realize upon approaching the barn, the barn was lit up. There were chains all over the doors, and as I peeked through the slit in the doors, I could see another door, partially covered by hay with a padlock and something else on it. Listening more closely now, I could hear screams. Screams for help. I immediately inspected the outside of the barn and kept a close eye on things as I heard movement inside the barn. Listening more closely from the back of the barn, I could hear chanting. I didn't understand the language, but I knew someone was in there. Knowing I wouldn't have signal and decided it's best to report things to police from here, I made my way back across the field. But, midway across the field I heard a gunshot and felt a great deal of pain in my right arm. I couldn't help but cry out in pain as it was so sudden and immense. I looked closely at my arm and kept my head quite low this time as I did so. I heard another shot fire off and I felt a bullet whiz through my hair and nearly miss my skull. I then heard an all too familiar loud voice shouting expertise and telling me I'm trespassing on private property. Out of options and unsure what to do, I called out stating who I was and informing them that if I wasn't out here in the next few minutes, the police would be raiding the place. This was a desperate lie, and the reality sank in all too quickly that I might not make it out of this place alive when the voice came back laughing and telling me they enjoyed the taste of bacon. It was at this moment I knew I was out of options and was screwed, if I didn't start moving and fast. I got up and ran, keeping no straight lines or particular patterns. I kept thinking I'd likely be dead any second, but as I made it to the fence and threw myself over, there wasn't another shot fired at all. Perhaps he bought my bluff, perhaps not, but I didn't wait around to find out as I was desperately hobbled to the hiding spot my car was in before driving as best as I could to the nearest gas station and calling 911. 
I explained the situation and who I was, and they mentioned that they would have authorities out there immediately. I told them I'd come out once I saw the lights, and in the meantime, I'd be in a spot near the farm. I told the authorities that they should be careful. I told them that they're very dangerous. I told them to bring guns as these people didn't seem like they cared at all whether the cops showed or not. It wasn't long before I was back at my spot and the police were already on the scene. I was checked out by a paramedic and questioned. I told them I was fine but I wanted to be sure the girl I was looking for wasn't there. The police spent the remainder of the night searching the farm only to find it abandoned. The family wasn't there and upon breaking the padlock on the barn door, what they found inside were crazy. They found a bunch of photos but no bodies. The entire area was searched thoroughly and the clothes of the girl I was searching for were found in the house, but there was no sign of the girl outside of this or the family. It looked like the family had been keeping many girls underneath the farm, but no one ever found them. Some skeletons were found on the property later on, but I never found the girl. I returned the payment I received from the family to them, but they told me to keep it anyway as a thanks for at least finding where she was. To my knowledge, this family hasn't seen or heard from her since. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.